Stethoscopers podcast, episode 13, Brave Review, part one. Spoiler free! Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with over 100,000 downloadable titles to choose from. For the listeners of the Rotoscopers podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial. So for a free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com backslash the Rotoscopers. Welcome to the Rotoscopers podcast, a podcast for animation addicts, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. I'm your host, Morgan Burt, here with my other host, Chelsea Robson. And we, yesterday, we got to see a sneak peek, um, not really a sneak peek, an advanced screening of Disney Pixar's upcoming feature, Brave, which comes out on June 22nd, but we got to see it on June 6th. Full thing, everything completed, ta-da. It was so cool. I loved it. We know that Pixar has been really pushing this movie, obviously. And so you've been able to see a lot of the trailers that we've had up on the website. We've also had our contest going on for the Art of Brave book that's Mm -hmm. still going on. You guys still have a chance to go in and check out just by going into iTunes and making and sending a review and sending it to us. So we have been we have been so excited about this movie. Mm-hmm. We've been really excited to be able to see how it turns out, what's going to all of the new advances in technology that they've had and I'll tell you for sure I was not disappointed. Yeah, I I had seen a lot of the trailers and the clips and the featurettes and then I stopped watching them because they were more or less kind of versions of the same thing and then they started kind of revealing more and more info which I didn't really want to know. So I stopped watching them. But I felt like, you know, because of the podcast and everything and I'm always looking at the news, I would be like disappointed in this movie because it'd been overhyped in my mind. So I went in like pumped but not super pumped. Which kind of made me nervous because, like, it's a Pixar movie. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Like, I should be super pumped to go see it. But all those, you know, doubts in my mind were completely done away with when I saw the final feature. It was amazing. It was breathtaking. It was exciting. The story was great. So, yeah, um, I should have gone in super pumped because (laughs) I left super pumped. Yeah, they did a fantastic job. You know, like, one of... things that I loved the most was just you look at all the hair and everything on every person it's just so like whoa I Mm -hmm. love technology these days it's amazing (laughs) yeah and our friends over at the Pixar podcast they actually he got invited to go to Emeryville to the Pixar studios and he had he recorded his whole day there and they had different interviews and kind of show and tell by the different uh-huh. different production artists and stuff. And so one, uh, one of the more, more recent episodes was all about the hair. And so the girl who was in charge of the hair and, and design for that, she talked about the hair and how it was like the main focus of the film, That's crazy. getting it right. And they had to kind of revise it a few times, you know, because technology advances every, you know, year, every yeah. two years. And so by the time they'd finish it up, they'd be working two years later, they needed to revise the hair because it was outdated in mm-hmm. a way so it was yeah the hair what I loved about Merida's hair is that it was like it was really bouncy like a real person with curly hair it kind of had that flow and that bounce but at the same time the way the hair and and not just the hair but the textures for everything it, it had this soft painterly feel yeah like I, I couldn't see 
every teeny exact strand. Mm-hmm. Like some, the way that some animation does it is like every, you need to see every pore, every hair, everything like perfectly realistically, I guess. Yeah. But this was more of an artistic version of like curly hair where it was just soft and flowy and you got the general idea and it just felt painterly. Yeah, it was cool because, you know, if you think about it, the human eye doesn't look at each individual strand of hair. It looks yeah. at just the flow of it all in general. And so they did a really good job at capturing all of that with each person of the hair, not just Merida, but like as I watched throughout the whole thing, every person's hair was just like perfect. I was mm-hmm. like, that's amazing. Yeah, everybody, I, like that's funny, the first thing we're talking about is the <laughs> hair in the movie, but the hair really was something that was key to this family because I thought it was hilarious that Merida and her brothers and the dad all have red hair. Yeah. And the mom has this brown brunette hair. So obviously the red gene got passed on. And like they look <laughs> nothing dominates. like the mom. <laughs> and but you know, the dad's is a bit more coarse and rough and, and then he has this grizzly beard. And then the brothers are, you know, baby hair, so it's soft and pretty mm-hmm. and, and Merida's is completely uh, matured hair and very, you know, All she, she doesn't brush it and well, I'm sure she brushes it, but it's not like she spends a lot of time styling it and so forth. And then the mom's is completely structured. It's in these braids. It's woven. It's not moving. And there it is. And I really like the mom's hair. I never, I don't think I'd noticed this in any of the pictures, but she has this big gray streak uh-huh. in the front. And it totally reminds me of Stacey London from What Not to Wear. It's like her <laughs> signature look is that she's like brunette and has this gray streak. And so I was like, oh, that's pretty awesome. I love that, like, because you see the mom earlier in the film, and she's obviously a lot younger. Merida's four, three or Mm -hmm. four. And then the story progresses, and, oh, okay, you can definitely tell, not only with the wrinkles, but the gray streak in her hair, that she has aged, and so has King Fergus. We are the real Brady Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg, and uh, who were you again? I played Peter. We've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of The Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why The Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are the real Brady Bros. So I kind of like these little subtle things that they did. I mean, I don't think the gray streak was something that you completely noticed or was a big deal, but it was just something that they added to the character with obviously everything was perfectly placed in there for a reason. Right. And then you also had the setting. So the setting is in old Scotland and it's just fantastically beautiful. I mean, if you look at any pictures from Scotland, even today, they're just breathtaking. And so they did a really good job at capturing just the magic that is held within all the green and all the architecture and everything. So I really enjoyed that aspect of the film as well. Yeah, I liked like the feel of the film. It was it kind of had a Beowulf feel to me, kind uh-huh. of a early, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th century feel where, you know, there's these stone castles and and then I don't know, it's just old Dark Ages feel to this film. Yeah. It's definitely not like Renaissance sort of thing. And so this is the world they live in. They still kind of live in a wilderness environment. And you get to see that, like you said, with the Scotland and with the Scotland scenery. And it was just really exciting. You know, it was green, but it was brown and it was real. Like, like I was, I was telling Chelsea earlier, I feel like this was the most real of Pixar's films. Um, because mm-hmm. there's no toys, there's no cars, there's no overly stylized things. And even though there's a lot of mystical elements to this movie, it feels the most real. Like, this yeah. could be the most realistic out of any of the films. Do you agree? Or I agree. Me? I agree. Really, all of this could have happened in real life. 
with a few small exceptions, but it's all pretty much there. And that's something I really, I think helps because you're able to relate to these people because they're just having real, real problems and in real life. Yeah. I definitely could see this as a live action movie. No problem. You know, there's certain parts that they could use CGI for obviously the bear and, and those things. But for the most part, I, this could completely transfer over to a live action film and work. Yeah. which is really nice. It, Chelsea and I, we actually just saw Madagascar 3 and talk about like a juxtaposition of two different types of movies because Madagascar 3 is so over the top and so unrealistic uh-huh. and unbelievable <laughs> in everything that happens. I mean, there's there's this this jaguar, or no, there's this tiger who, who jumps through hoops, but he jumps through a hoop that's the size of a, a ring for your finger. Yeah. You know, and it's completely normal and no one really like, questions it. Or the animal control lady, she, oh, oh my God. I mean, there's this big chase scene and she's jumping over five different buildings, then she's doing a backflip here, and then there's an explosion that she starts, and just everything that happens is over the top. Yeah. And like, she- really meant to be, like, this is fantasy. Oh, yeah. And then you got her she's like running through walls and everything yeah. I'm just like you're not the hulk like what is this yeah so like madagascar 3 is like completely just goofy fun but brave on the other hand is real fun yeah you know it's it's a real family it's real people so it's definitely very realistic and that's kind of a breath of fresh air for pixar mm-hmm. and I, I liked it this film it was different than any of the pixar films i'd seen like, it, it felt Pixar, but it was just different. It was just, yeah, very well done. There were a lot of things in there that I was not expecting to see in a Pixar Oh, my film. gosh. <laughs> yes. Oh, I can't wait to talk about those. Yeah, it makes you think, like, oh, okay. You know, like, we were talking about, oh, like, people are going to be offended by this, or, oh, that's not for kids. And there were just lots of things that you're like, did they just do that? <laughs> they really just did that. Oh, wow. And I liked it because it's like, okay, we know how we're having fun. Kids, you know, kids aren't going to be, grow up to be whack jobs and demented because they see <laughs> this like one scene. Like It's funny. And like you look back at the old Disney cartoons and, you know, they get away with a lot more stuff. And everyone grew up fine. Like it wasn't yeah. a big deal. <laughs> we all grew up okay. <laughs> but yeah, so there's lots of scenes like that, which we'll talk about in part two that really are amazing, hilarious, yeah. <laughs> just like. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those are definitely spoils. So we're not going to spoil you on those, but I want to. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh, man. But some of the greatest characters I loved, you'll be able to see in some of the trailers how they bring in all of these different clans from around mm-hmm. the kingdom. And you just get to really like the different leaders of the different clans. Yeah. That's something they did a good job with. The different lords of everyone and their sons were hilarious. <laughs> And you'll you can see those, and when you go and you look at the featurette for when they're doing all of the uh, the the prize, yeah, when they're doing the archery part, mm-hmm. they like kind of show each one of these sons <laughs> as they're like doing their thing, and they just have a they're really funny. You'll really become a fan of these characters. Which of the three lords was your favorite? I think my favorite was Macintosh, the one he's the really skinny one with the blue paint all over him. Very Braveheart. Yeah, very Braveheart esque. And he was really funny and his son was just kind of he was just like he's kinda of a little bit pompous but just takes after his dad. Yeah. <laughs> like the hot guy in school knows it and like yeah, flips yeah. his hair and Long, oh. flowing locks. And the girls in the background during it are like screaming yeah. and it's very like in Hercules, you know. I got his sweatband. <laughs> With the fangirls going out. So he's obviously, you know, the more uh, desirable of the suitors. Man, I I really like Lord Dingwall. 
He's the old guy with the triple chin yeah. mustache. I guess they all have mustache. Well, <laughs> mustaches are a prevalent part of this gray film. Gray hair, gray hair. Gray hair. He's just an old kooky guy. And just going on senile, like doesn't care what people think. <laughs> and he's hilarious. There's oh, really his son. One. Okay, so like in the movie, the parents, you know, they get invited to, to compete for Merida's hand. And I don't think that's a spoiler. No. But they get invited to shoot for Merida's hand. And Merida doesn't know about this. And she finds about this. And she's really upset. And so anyways, they're presenting their sons to the royal family. And it's just hilarious because every single one of them are creating these tall tales. Like, I don't, you don't know if they're true or not. Yeah. But definitely when they get to Lord Dingwall and then they say what his son has done. Like, <laughs> this one guy with his pinky and his bare arm and all these things. And then you look at the son. He's, like, picking his nose. And he's, like, complete... I, maybe it happened, but he is <laughs> completely useless and kind of a moron. I hate to say that, but that's like kind of how he came off, just aloof. Yeah. Very, very aloof. The dad doesn't they, get it. They kind of all are, though. Yeah, they all have their own idiosyncrasies that make them like, like... weird. And you understand why Merida wouldn't really want to... Be excited. Be, yeah. <laughs> there is one guy who's like a, a clan bodyguard, and he is hubba hubba. <laughs> He's like the Kronk. Yes, he totally reminds me of Kronk. He's so funny. Yeah, I'm like, man, can can he shoot? For I'm okay with that. <laughs> and she like even gets a little bit excited too. Like, not, not so much excited, but just like, really, it's this guy. Like, oh, and then oh man. <laughs> yeah, that's in one of the trailers too. So it's not a spoiler. So yeah, the lords were actually really funny. I I wasn't quite sure if I would like them or how much you would get to know them, but they're actually pretty integral in the story. They stay there for a while and they're involved. Mostly with the king. The king is there to entertain them, you know, because for these old kingdoms, they would come and they would stay for months and months and months, and then they would leave. You know, you got nothing better to do, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, these three clans, they come and they hang out, and the king is kind of set to entertain them for the most part. And it's completely <laughs> savage, and they're barbarians, like true Vikings. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so funny. I want to quote this thing so much. Uh, you can do the one quote. Okay. <laughs> There's this one part where they, they start going on a quest, and one of the lords, he just starts to like, oh, here we go, another hunt through the castle. <laughs> and it's like, how often do they do these? Yeah, they've been there how long? Is it another hunt? Like, it was just a really funny moment. Um, like, we were laughing pretty hard at that part. Yeah. So, what do you, how do you feel about the triplets? I love the triplets. I thought they were funny. I mean, at the very beginning, I thought they were just kind of, they're just kind of there just for comedic mm-hmm. relief. They don't mm-hmm. talk through the whole thing. Mm-mm. And so they're just kind of these little uh, hooligans that are just running amok throughout the whole thing. But I think they play a good part. And they add add a lot of the background humor to different little things. So it doesn't keep things quite so dramatic. Mm Because the story itself has a tendency or has... it, it could go pretty dramatic because of just the setting. Mm-hmm. But you add enough of these little quirky things around it that it just it livens it up just a little bit more. Yeah, I was nervous from the trailers because they kind of show their crazy antics, you know, trying to get food and stealing and mm-hmm. causing chaos all over the place. I was kind of nervous that this would be too gaggy mm-hmm. and quirky and the, the comedy wouldn't really work in the film. Like, obviously, I knew it was going to work, but I'm like, man, like, really, they had to go that route. But I was pleasantly surprised. There, it's not too over the top, the humor, but it's just enough. 
Yeah, to make it work and to kind of ease some of like the tension for all the other super dramatic scenes. And so they did it. They played the balance really well. But um, okay, but going back to the triplets, Hamish, Hubert, and Harris. The funny thing about them is they're mentioned and you know their names, but they're indistinguishable. Mm-hmm. They look exactly the same. They're replicas of each other. So you don't know who's who. They're just a unit. Mm-hmm. together and they work together they run amok together yes <laughs> and i actually really like them they they have a pretty good relationship with their sister and that's obvious and she really loves them and the father loves them but like at the same time they're given this free reign through the castle yeah. like the mom is so on top of merida and like all over her but she's kind of on the kids but really not not so much she's just like eh, whatever like <laughs> merida walks into a room and the brothers are just there like you know, doing all these crazy things, and it's like, does no one care about them? <laughs> Shouldn't we be concerned about the toddlers? Yeah, <laughs> these, these little things running amok. And they have all these secret passageways that they've built throughout the entire yeah. kingdom, and it's like, you're four. Like, if that, how did you do that? Yeah, and they're, the good thing about this, like I said, their relationship with Merida, they're very loyal to Merida. Yeah. Like this, this family is a very strong family, mm-hmm. even though there is major relationship struggles between Merida and Queen Eleanor. Mm -hmm. And I think those two relationships, that one relationship between Merida and Eleanor is the driving force behind the film for the entire time. Yes. And I was telling Morgan about how, and we've talked about this on other podcasts, about how when Pixar started out, they didn't want to do any stories that had to do based around a romantic guy meets girl love. Marriage at the end. Right, (laughs) right. I really love how they do a fantastic job of of showing all of these other relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of times it's friendship, and this one, it has the driving force of a mother-daughter relationship. And especially in those heated years of teenagers, you know, where tempers are high and everything. So they did a fantastic job of, of showing you that side, as well as building that that bond and trust and, and kind of makes you go back into your own relationship with your I own know. parents. Like, you're just like, man, how am I doing? Am I, am I doing good on this? I don't know. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, like there's one part where Merida's in the forest. She just kind of run away and she's upset. And she, I was thinking, I was like, man, I, I can see a lot of people relating to Merida like yeah. in this, like a lot of teenage girls or teenage, you know, guys or people who'd been a teen at one point, right. I could see them relating like, man, I had that exact same relationship with my mom. Like, I personally don't think I had a relationship I, like that with my parents, but I can see yeah. others, how that is a very common vein in a lot of re- like growing up adolescent years. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a good plot line and it's a good story because I don't think we'd seen it before any other animated film. Like, I'm trying to think, has there been any other film where they focus on the mother-daughter relationship? Not really. I mean, I, the closest I can think of is The Little Mermaid with mother... Or father. Father, they're always the father, dad. Daughter. Yeah. yeah. Like, the moms in Dis- especially Disney movies are absent a lot in the animated <laughs> movies. Either that or the dads, or, you know, yeah. a lot of them's absent. But I loved how, you know, both of them are there and very much together, very much a couple and in love. So Yeah. Yeah, that was actually kind of, like, refreshing that, you know, like we mentioned, like, oh, yeah, it's just, like, an easy way to get a point across, like, the single parent syndrome, right. you know? Like, oh, I already understand everything that's going along with a single parent and what's, like, this family's life is like but you know to see a nice happy structured family that obviously still has individual problems yeah you know every single one of them are flawed in some way but it was cool to kind of see that and it was good so i liked that merida was extremely flawed and the mom Mm -hmm. like at the very beginning like you can't really side with one or the other at least i couldn't 
I saw the mom's yeah. point, and I saw Meredith's point, and they weren't going to give, and they are really headstrong. You can see, kind of see where they get who they're from. They're they're very much similar, but different. Yeah. Um, and so I really like that because I didn't like Meredith at the beginning. Like, I kept thinking in my head, I'm like, she is such a brat. Yeah. You know, and that's good because, you know, you learn to respect the changes that come on later in the film for a lot of the characters as, as it progresses. So one thing, I was going back and I was listening to some old podcast episodes. And in episode one, when we did our 2012 year preview, I'd mentioned like, oh, Brave, we're really excited for it. It's going to be really cool. To me, this looks like the Scottish Mulan. Okay, I take that back. This has nothing to do with Scottish Mulan. Like, you know, it made it seem like from some of the earlier trailers that she's just headstrong, she runs away, and she kind of, you know, yeah. changes her fate in a way. But this completely different, so take I take all that back. It's nothing like a Mulan story at all. No, I wouldn't say Mulan, but there are other movies that yes. we would compare it to. <laughs> yeah, and so that's one thing that I don't know if I necessarily disliked about the film is that it was an original Pixar story, but I'd seen elements of this story yeah. in lots of places before. Like, there was this section that I'd seen, and this, and this, and this, and I'd seen lots of movies in this setting. So, like, it wasn't completely original to me. And in our part two, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about how we feel about that. But at the same time, they did a really great job portraying the story they wanted to in, in their own way. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that for sure. I kind of felt like they took a particular animated Disney movie, which I'm not going to mention, and, like, all right, we're going to put that one under the rug, and we're going to revise that one. Because that one had a good idea. Yeah, it had a good... <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like, uh, let's pretend that one didn't happen, because nobody really liked it that much. And, but, you know, Disneyland has its own little area. They might can say that. But they'll figure out what we're talking about. I know, but... <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like, but still, like, this particular movie that we're talking about... Um, wasn't extremely popular. I didn't particularly like it all that much, but they took that idea and made it perfect. Mm -hmm, It was like, mm -hmm. good job. Yeah. Finally did it right. Yeah. One of the first parts of the movie, she, she's explaining her life and how she has this to do and this to do and this to do. But then there's those days where she can just go out and she has nothing planned and she can just do whatever she wants. And she's like climbing up this ridge. Like this is in the first like five minutes of the yeah. film. So I'm, I feel okay with telling you that. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like climbing up this ridge and while she's climbing up, they have some really cool like Celtic music in the background. And I just love the music and the score that they put with this. It was very indicative of the time and place. And it just kind of like pulls the whole thing together. It just creates a very lively atmosphere that just makes you just want to get up and start, you know, doing Lord of the Dance. (laughs) (laughs) But they did a fantastic job. I loved it. So if you're anything like me, you'll enjoy the music as well. All of the singing songs on the soundtrack were actually done by the Scottish Gaelic Celtic singer Julie Fowlis with a collaboration with the Grammy-winning band Mumford & Sons. And I just loved it. Yeah, so... I'd probably buy this album. (laughs) The two songs uh, kind of bookend the film. So there's one at the beginning, there's one at the end. And I think we knew... Well, we knew that there were two songs that had singing in it. And, you know, they're very kind of catchy, upbeat songs, like most Celtic songs are. There's right. Like, do, 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 do
what I liked about it is that, you know, even though the words weren't really recognizable because they were Gaelic lyrics, they still were memorable. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be able to sing this one when I'm at Disneyland with my friends, like <laughs> having a Disney sing-off. But at the same time, it was different in a way. Which yeah. I really, I really liked so the score was done by Oscar-nominated composer Patrick Doyle. He's known for Sense and Sensibility and also Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. So his definitely Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is very dark score. And and this film, it's, it's a very real score. It's very Scottish, and it definitely envelops you in that world. And I tried to sit back. You know, I'm not one when I'm watching a movie to notice the score. Like, the score is just sort of there, and it's great, and it, yeah. it's better than having no sound. <laughs> well, that's what, it's not supposed to be something that you you like are paying attention yeah. to it's supposed to draw you more into the mm-hmm. film and not like think oh what is that playing over there i yeah. don't understand so I ch- there was a certain points in the movie where i sat back and i was like film critics pay attention to these things <laughs> so let's listen to the score right now and how you like it so i was i was just listening to it and and i really enjoyed the score and i liked the you know celtic beats that it it had and it was just a good score yeah so pot of beans good job <laughs> <laughs> what'd you say <laughs> Pot of Beans is, means congratulations oh. in Portuguese. <laughs> I was like, his name's not Pot of Beans. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, every once in a while Portuguese comes out. <laughs> so talking about the directors real quick, I just think it's kind of interesting to point this out. Brenda Chapman is one of the directors along with Mark Andrews. And this is Brenda Chapman's child, this story. You know, yeah. if you look at her, she has red hair. I don't know if she has Scottish roots or not, but I wouldn't put it past her. And... This idea and concept for this story comes from her and her own personal relationships that she's had. And so it really means a lot to her. But eventually what happened is there came a point during production where the story just wasn't working and they had hit a dead end. So they released her as director and they brought in Mark Andrews. And so he had a pair of fresh eyes. He was able to look at it, see what works, see what wasn't working, and then, you know, know where to go from there. And I'm I'm grateful for it because the movie is really, really good. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's really sad because Brenda Chapman, I mean, I've looked for interviews for her. You know, this is press season, two weeks before the movie's coming out. I mean, this is the time when there's just interview after interview after mm-hmm. interview. And there's not much for her. And it's sad because she's very integral to the beginnings of this movie. And Mark Andrews is towards how the finishing, how how it all completed. And I tweeted her about it. I was like, hey, are you doing any interviews for the film? She tweeted back. She's like, yeah, only if they are Pixar approved. So maybe you can reach out to them. And it was really sad because it made me feel like every single question. First off, she's not doing that many. Right. And every single question has to be approved by Pixar. So she can't say anything bad about the film or the process oh, or how man. she got kicked off. It was, just, it was just like kind of a bummer moment. Like, oh, <laughs> well, don't let her out. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, well, it's her film, too. Yeah. But. Oh, man. That's too bad about Bruno Chapman. But I think that they will start having more things with her. I hope so, at least. Even just a little bit of her. Of the beginnings and how it started and just Mm -hmm. her thoughts on the whole thing. I would like to see an interview with the two directors together. Like, you know, the start and the finished product, how they came and what were some of the the cool stories and how they were able to move things from point A to point B. Yeah, really open and candid. I I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of tension between the two, but I know that Brenda Chapman's still with Pixar. Right. And she's working on other films. But, um... I mean, I understand why they had to do this, because this is Pixar's longest film in development. It's mm. been around since 2004, 2005, at least the concept of it. And so it's like six years. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of money going on here where, I mean, they 
if it's not working, we can't just keep beating a dead horse. They had to move on and they had to finish the movie because every day that you're in, you know, sitting in this pipeline, it's money, money, money. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just that about them. So maybe we'll see her on a featurette or something, but we'll see. I hope so. Um, One thing about this movie I really enjoyed is, if you know, if you've listened to the Rotoscopers, we love to quote. Oh, yeah. Quotes are our thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we randomly just insert quotes anywhere. But this movie was very, very, very quotable, which I loved. Because I was sitting there and I was thinking, ooh, that's a good line. Ooh, I'm going to I'm gonna say that. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You yeah, know, like, I wish I had brought, like, a notepad just to, like, write some of these things down because they're great. I loved some of the lines, you know, quick little one-liners from different characters that really made you just like, hey, you're funny. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's a good thing because, I mean, we've grown up with the Disney classics and animation mo- and animated movies. So, I mean, we know these movies front and back, you know, and can quote the whole thing. Yeah. So, but I definitely, it was funny because as I was listening, was, as I was watching this movie, I definitely thought, hmm, I definitely could see myself quoting this movie. This is a good one. Because I think recently a lot of animated films I've seen, it's like, oh, that's great. Those are good. But I don't have any lines out of that movie that I really want to put in my arsenal. Yeah. Madagascar 3 did have one line that I will keep around. <laughs> but, you know, there's other things. It's like, meh. Ah, yeah, I can do without you. <laughs> but yeah, so many of these movies are so integral to our growing up. It's like, so every part of our lives, we can just like, I'll take you. I can use you. Mm-hmm. They just come so naturally. After we walk out of any of these previews, they always ask you, like, so what did you think? Do you have a quote or anything? And of course, Morgan's right there. I have a quote. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, what Morgan, what was your quote? I was like, okay, so how do you feel about this movie? And I say, definitely the best animated film I've seen of 2012, and I've seen them all. Right. right. <laughs> Which is true. I think this is the best animated film of the year so far, on, even better than Wreck-It Ralph. On the Rotoscopers Twitter, I kind of put a little thing real quick, like rating the movies that I had seen this year. So this is how it goes. It's Brave, followed by Pirate Band of Misfits, followed by The Secret World of Arietti followed by The Lorax, and lastly, Madagascar 3. So even though I thought Madagascar 3 was quite pleasant and enjoyable and better than the other two combined, it's still on the bottom of the barrel for all the other animated showings. And the fact that it's a 3, I mean, just come on. (laughs) It took them three chances to get it right. But Well, where where would you put Wreck-It Ralph in that? Well, like, because we saw, like, a, you know, an incomplete right. version of it. Like, I'm not entirely wanting to put it, but I would put it somewhere between the Lorax and Secret World of Arietti, mm-hmm. or maybe just a little higher, but... So it's kind of middle of the ground. Like, it's really good. I mean, all these movies I, I enjoy. Right. So it's not like the bottom is an F. It's more like a C, you know? So right. it's good, but, yeah, I'm just going to have to wait until the final to see if it bumps up or down, which would be horrible, but... <laughs> think it would no i i have my faith in wreck and roth it'll be great <laughs> so i really liked brave i thought it was fun and exciting you know like we said and kind of seen plot points of this before mm-hmm. which was okay you know because they did it in a new fresh way it's definitely a different movie for pixar with you know the the scenery and the stories and the characters and i liked it it was really good and i left really excited and i left smiling and like really happy that i was able to see the film and excited for everyone else to get to see the film, too, because I leave the films and I'm like, oh, I'm not even going to tell anyone I saw that one. But this <laughs> one, it was like, OK, well, I'm going to take this person, this person, I'm going to tell my parents, yeah. you know, because they don't really go to that many animated movies. But if I tell them really good ones, they'll take it into consideration. And yeah, so this one, I'm like, I want to go back. So I can't yeah. wait for on the 22nd when it comes out to go back again. 
I think that's a big uh, indicator about this movie, about how good it is, that it has that instant replay value where I'm like, I need to see this again. Yeah, for sure. And I, something I really enjoyed about it, I love the style of all the animation. I mean, I love the face shapes. I love everything that they did about each one of these different people. It really helped to see the, how far animation has come over the last couple of years. And I just, I was really, really pumped and really excited and it did not disappoint me. I definitely will tell my friends and, you know, when it comes out again, I'll probably go, I'll, t- I'll take Marissa and we'll, <laughs> we'll head on out there and see it again. So like Morgan said, just that the replay value is just really good on this one. So we're excited for all of you guys to be able to see it as well. So, oh, speaking real fast, you know how you mentioned face shapes, how you really like the face shapes of the characters? It reminds me of Merida's face shape because her face is very round. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like... Chubby, but it's just a rounder face, uh-huh. and it's funny because I can totally see for the princess official lineup. Some yeah. of their designs kind of get changed a little yeah, bit along the way. You look at Snow White, and she's like, "Hmm, you don't quite look the same as a '40s actress." Yeah, you don't look 11 anymore. No, yeah. <laughs> you know, she she's developed boobs, and you know, then her uh, her face kind of has been like chiseled a little bit. So yeah. I can totally see them doing that to Merida, unfortunately, to make her fit into the princess lineup a little better. I, I hope not, because it's actually like a breath of fresh air to see this different, you know, face shape rather than like perfectly angled cheekbones and, and whatever. Do you think that Disney would actually put her in with the princesses? I Oh, how could they not? Because it's a Pixar thing. I mean, even though Disney Pixar is together now, but do you, I mean, I, 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 I see them in. Yeah, I, I don't know if she already is a part of the official lineup, but that's definitely. I mean, Disney is known for princesses. Like, if you say, right. what, what are five things and describe Disney? Yeah. And princess will come up. And so I see it's just an easy opportunity for them to sell more products and to yeah. put her face on everything. And, hey, you know, there's this other redheaded princess, <laughs> you know, and she has curly hair, guys. And we don't have any curly hair princesses. So, I mean, it's just more kind of diverse. Uh-huh. Uh, to add to the lineup. But yeah, so I'm going to like keep my eye out to see if Merida's like on her official packaging and stuff. If sort of she slowly over, you know, loses weight over the next few years. <laughs> but let's see. Well, she's like totally skinny anyway, but how old? The oh, face. Yeah, she's yeah, totally. How old did you think Merida was? I don't know. I'm guessing like 15, 16. Yeah. I mean, like, well, they're setting her up to be married. Right. So, but in that time period, it definitely wasn't the same. Yeah. And, you know, look at every other Disney and it's like, I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. <laughs> <laughs> like married at 16. Come on now. <laughs> For my 16th birthday. Right. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm like kind of torn about how old I, th- I would think I would place her at 16. I don't think they mention it for just for that reason. Yeah. But I don't see her being older than Rapunzel. I see no. her more in like Little Mermaid, Ariel age, yeah. but we'll see. I, I need to look that up, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, you also have the whole thing, like, her angst was just like, I'm not ready. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not ready to get married. I'm a sophomore. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if I were to rate this, I am going to give it four and a half stars out of five. I think it's splendidly done. It's very well executed. I like the voice talent, surprisingly, because I was kind of nervous about the Scottish accents when I was listening to the trailers. Oh, yeah? Like, oh, no, Merida's really going to bother me with her Scottish accent. (laughs) I love Scottish accents. But, like, they totally, you know, along with the music and the score and everything, it brings you into the world, and it's it gives it this unique charm. So I love the accents. I love the animation. It's beautiful. The story is very well done and concise. 
and I like it. I like it a lot. I love the characters, so I'm giving this four and a half stars. But I don't know. I think I need a little bit more time to absorb this movie to yeah. see if it really holds four and a half stars the test of time. Yeah, I think that happens with me, too. Every time I go into a movie, I'll, like, see it. And I'm like, I think I'll place it around, like, right about here. But, you know, you look at every other movie that we've done a review on, and it's all been uh, movies that have been out for 7, 10, 20 50 years, yeah. you know, some things that we've just seen over and over and over. So you're not, uh, so you know where they stand in your mind. Um, I think this one, just because we saw it the one time, it's like, ah, I'm still going to place it right. I'm, I'm going to give it a four star rating. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could go up okay. over time. All right. I don't think it'll go down. It's at least, it's at least four. Um, but I think it could go up after I've seen it a couple more, five times. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. So, oh, La Luna. We didn't get to talk oh, about yes, that. Oh, La Luna. So, La Luna is the short that plays before Pixar. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a short that plays before the, the film Brave. And we've talked about this a bunch on other episodes because it was in the lineup for uh, to get the Oscar and everything. And so it's been out for a while, at least a year or so. And so people have seen it. I've never seen it. Mason mm-hmm. saw it. Yeah. And so he didn't want to give away his, the mm-hmm. the. The twist for it, and I'm just gonna say I loved it. It was really cute. Yeah, if I'm gonna describe this film in one word, it would be tender. Yeah, yeah, you know? I'll go with that. Like the the character designs, they're very kind of precious moment esque. Yes, you know, like those big eyes, at least with a little boy, and it just has this cute story the whole time. Like it's jolly, and you laugh, and there's funny moments, but it's heartwarming at the same time. It's just really well done all around, and. Personally, okay, seeing the stills and some of the, like, there was a mini trailer about it. Mason had said, oh, this little boy, he finds out the secret of the family business. Mm -hmm. And based on what I had seen, I thought the family business was, you know, you see them in a boat and then you see another picture of him with a star. And I thought the family fished for stars. (laughs) But that's that's not a spoiler in any way, because that's clearly not what happens with this family. That's not what happens at all. (laughs) Yeah, I was very surprised. They did a really good job at, like, the, the whole twist at the end of you know, what their job actually is was Mm -hmm. like, that's so cute. Yeah, because they're in the dark until the very end. Like, it's never fully explained. You're like, okay, I'm just going to roll with this. And then the very end, you're like, I think everyone went, aww. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I was was really happy with the pairing with La Luna and with Brave because you look at La Luna and it has, it basically shows the relationships of, like, grandfather to father to son. So it's like this multi-generational thing. And then with the characters and everything in Brave, it was very much based around uh, the parent-child relationship as well. And so it was a really good pairing the two of these together. Yeah, so okay, so that is our review of Brave and a mini of La Luna. This is part one, spoiler-free. Come to two, three weeks when Brave actually comes out on June 22nd. We will post another review with Mason, hopefully, if he gets around to seeing it. He will see this, Mason. I'm talking to you. <laughs> oh, he already hates us, Morgan. <laughs> you know but then we'll do another review, part two. It's going to contain lots of spoilers, so don't listen to that one if you don't want to be spoiled, you hadn't seen it. But that way we can go a lot more in-depth about you know specifics that we liked about it, and yeah. quotes, and characters, and, and scenes, and Theories plot points. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it won't be like a true main discussion. We'll save that for like a year after it's come on DVD. We can analyze it a little bit more, but it will be like an, just a spoilery review. Yeah. So if you have any questions, comments, or your own review of this movie, Brave, or any other movie that you've seen that you would like us to cover as well, send us an email over at therotoscopers at gmail.com. You can check us out anywhere else on the web 
got Tumblr, we got Twitter, we've got Facebook. Check us out anywhere and be able to get more updates on the everyday news of the animation world. Our website is, once again, www.therotoscopers.com. And once again, head on over to iTunes and enter in to win the Art of Brave book. I know we've got a bunch of reviews coming in and we want you to be able to be part of this drawing. So head on over there and tell us what you think. Yep. You have till June 30th to do your review of our podcast. Take a screenshot, email it to us and you're submitted. There's only about 10 entries. So come on. Why not? Why exactly. Not? <laughs> All right. Until next episode. We are the Rotoscopers. It's very good when you learn to always stay to the end of the podcast. But not just the end of the podcast. Always stay to the end of the movies, too. Brave. Stay to the end of the movie. Okay, bye.